Welcome to Spotlight by Play Crate. The kick in, here it comes. Swing and a miss! Swing and a miss! Swing and a miss! A podcast that shines some light on amazing people in the baseball world. Deja vu all over again, as uh, Yogi Berra would say. Introducing your host and the founder of Play Crate, Josh Ben. Hey everybody, welcome to Spotlight, a podcast where we shed some light on people in the baseball and softball community. This could be anyone from players, coaches, entrepreneurs, and anyone who has an interesting story we can learn from. Uh, this is season three of Spotlight, where we're just focusing on coaches, specifically hitting coaches. So um, what I did was I went around, I found the best hitting coaches I could possibly find um, and really looked at what they're teaching, what they're training. And uh, we have a really special guest today. His name's Chris Vasami. Uh, Chris started Vasami Trading, um, Vasami Training over 15 years ago, where he developed some of the best baseball talent in Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, Chris, welcome to the show. Thanks, man. I appreciate you having me. Yeah, I mean, pretty short intro. I saw you moved. Uh, I don't know if that was recent, but you moved to uh, to Charlotte. Is that pretty recent? Yeah. Uh, I'd say about, I mean, we moved here about seven years ago. Um, mm-hmm. at the time my original place was up in New York. Mm-hmm. And so while I was still building up Charlotte, I was going back and forth to New York pretty much every week. Um, still running my facility up there, training players. And then, um, through, you know, some health stuff, which we'll get into, um, and, and having my daughter, it was just time to uh, stop traveling. I, I closed up New York and, um, kind of bet on myself down here in Charlotte and been in Charlotte full time for almost two years now. Um, but we've been here as a family for seven. Awesome. Cool. Well, um, yeah, I mean, take us through some of the the background, you know, what, where did you grow up? How did you get started in baseball and, and maybe take us through your background and your playing career? Yeah. So I grew up in, um, Westchester, New York, uh, specifically Mamaroneck, just outside New York city. Uh, I'm one of four kids. Um, my older brother is six and a half years older than me. So naturally I just started playing with him and his friends when I was young, uh, always wanted to compete with him and his friends. And I, and that's where I really started to build my competitive nature. Uh, I can remember being six, seven years old playing in the backyard against 13 and 14 year olds and losing on a walk off in the bottom of the last inning. And, coming in pretty fired up. And my mom was like, Hey, you're going to be fine. You know, like there's no forward thinking at seven years old, but, um, <laughs> it's, uh, it definitely paid off and it definitely worked, you know, worked out because I just always had that competitive spirit, that competitive nature, um, not only competing against other people, but also with myself. And so I grew up there. I was an all American in high school out of high school. I went to Notre Dame, uh, played there for a year. And then the coach and I just didn't agree on my future. I, we went, I went there as a two-way guy. They just wanted me to pitch. I wanted to hit. Um, so luckily I found Elon in North Carolina. Yeah. And uh, played there and got drafted by the Rockies. Played with them for about four years and then played almost two years in independent ball. Um, and all while that was going on, I started Visami training. My sophomore year of college, last game of the year, I was playing first base and I stuck out my arm to catch a ball from the pitcher and guy ran into me at the same time. And I ended up uh, tearing my labrum in half on that, in the collision. So I ended up having surgery that summer 
And when I got home, um, you know, you get home around June 1st or so, and all the internships are pretty much underway. So my mom said, look, you know, if you're going to have surgery, I can't have you just laying around. So you need to get a job. (laughs) So I, uh, went to the computer, did some good old fashioned clip art, made a flyer, put it up around town. And that's how Vasami training started. Dude, that is awesome. Um, yeah, I mean, I'd love to, I'd love to hear about (coughs) Vasami and maybe, you know, you could help me just in kind of the order of things, but you know, you talk about, you, you had some health issues and I, you know, the, the reason I would bring that up is, is honestly, you, you talk about it like very openly, right? Yeah. Uh, Even though this is our first conversation, this is just what I'm getting from your research, but also like from, from what it seems, um, you know, from from some of the background stuff I I've done is it's had a really big impact, impact on your coaching and how you approach things. So I'd love to hear, you know, if you're comfortable with it, you know, what were those health problems and then maybe take us through kind of like what that transition looked like and what impact it's had on your coaching and Vasami training. Absolutely. So Four years ago, um, I, would di- I was diagnosed with thyroid cancer. Um, and unfortunately, I still battle it today. Um, it's not um, life-ending. It's just very life-altering. Mm-hmm. And over the course of that four years, it's been quite the journey in terms of things that I've had to go through from you know, being the victim uh, and being in a really bad place mentally and emotionally to really understanding, you know, the power of, of the mind and the spirit and being able to, you know, on a daily basis, make choices, um, that can impact your life and the people around you and really get you into a rhythm and being able to consistently have success on a daily basis. And, and, and in those four years, what's happened is that I've really been able to shift my perspective. And then I'm able to teach to perspective, um, with my players. Mm-hmm. And I'm always able to have them look at it from a different way. I'd say probably 50% of my time is coaching to shifting that perspective to the things that you are in control of, especially in baseball, where when we start to get to higher levels, and when I say higher levels, I mean, you know, even 10, 11, 12 years old and, and beyond, baseball goes from a very black and white game of I got on base. I didn't get on base. I got a hit. I didn't get a hit to a very gray area of a game where, you know, if you go four for four with four blue pits and your teammate goes over four with four line drive outs, who really is the better hitter that day and who can really look at it the right way and understand that really in reality, if we're, if, if what's in our control is, getting a good pitch, taking a good swing and having a good result. Um, that person who hit four line drive outs that day is a better hitter. Mm-hmm. And so that's where we can strive to find that consistency and see the things that are working for us. And then be able to have awareness and, and either consistently keep going or have to make those fixes and those changes. So when it came to my sickness, um, you know, I've had multiple surgeries and after first getting diagnosed and having my first surgery, I tell people all the time, I was the, I was the poster child for victim, you know, Mm -hmm. sitting around waiting to feel better, waiting for medicine to work, you know, woe is me walking around town, seeing people who looked very unhealthy, but I'm sitting here, the one, you know, who's going through the struggle and all that. And I remember 
after my second surgery, sitting in the hospital in bed and just really, I was like looking out the window and I was thinking to myself, you know what? My body and this stuff is clearly going to do what it wants to do. So from the neck up, I'm going to have to make a huge change and I'm going to have to do the things that, that I can do and should do and need to do. Um, and so I really went from a be kind to yourself mentality to a little bit more of a savage mentality of <laughs> things just have to get done on a daily basis. Yeah. Um, the blueprint is out there. It's set for us and it's just a matter of if we follow it or not. Um, so there are just a lot of non-negotiables in my life on a daily basis that I have to follow because with the type of sickness I have, um, my body's default is to shut down and to not want to do stuff and to want to find a comfortable homeostasis. And that's put me in a lot of bad places over the course of four years. So, um, that's kind of the way that I've lived my life. And, and that's kind of how I start to teach my players now too. Um, in that you have to make these non-negotiables with yourself in terms of your training and the people you surround yourself with and the way that you want to take care of your goals on a daily basis. Yeah. Take us through that. I mean, what is the Vasami blueprint for, I mean, you can call it whatever word you want, success, um, perspective, um, just getting through, um, the day with, with these non-negotiables, but you know, what, what's the blueprint look like for you at least? So for me, it's, I call them my four G's that I've come to find and it's grit, grind, grace, and gratitude. Um, mm -hmm. Sometimes they're easier than others. Sometimes they're harder than others, but um, it's, you know, it's a grind on a daily basis just to even get out of bed sometimes. Um, so that's first and foremost is that just understanding and have the perspective that like things are not going to be easy all the time. Um, grit. It, if grit wasn't a real thing, there wouldn't be books written about it. And so it's true that there are just some times where if you just want it more than the person next to you, if you want it more than the person that you were yesterday, um, you can get things done and you can find a way to get things done. And it promotes this resilience in you that all human beings do have. Um, but that a lot of times they're just afraid to tap into. Um, grace is the ability that, you know, I, God's given me a lot of grace. Um, and so, you know, I try to show that on a daily basis to, to people, um, and especially my players, you know, being able to really empathize with them on a daily basis in terms of what they're going through. Um, you know, luckily from a baseball perspective, there's really nothing that a player is going to go through, um, that I haven't gone through already myself. Like I said, I was the all American. Um, and then I was the player that the coach had no faith in at all and was the last guy on the bench. So, and everything in between. So being able to show my players that I truly understand and empathize and, and sympathize with them, but at the same time, I'm going to hold you accountable um, because you're not going to work half as hard as anybody else to get to the same place. Um, and then the last thing is gratitude. I mean, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm grateful that I get to wake up every day and, and have another day on earth and spend it with, with my girls and um, my wife and the people around me. And um, with that gratitude, it's just being able to um, show, you know, there's a lot of people who have cancer who don't get the choice of getting out of bed. 
um, they hear that they have cancer and the doctors say, I'm sorry, there's nothing we can do. So I kind of use my ability to get out of bed as a way to show gratitude um, to those people who don't get the choice. Amazing. Grit, grind, grace, and gratitude. I mean, it's yes, sir. like, I can tell by the way that you talk about each one of those that, uh, you know, you've really thought deeply about each of those words and what it means to you and, and how to deploy that on a daily basis. So, I mean, props to you. I mean, this is le- legitimately our first conversation. I've been like dying to, to talk and just get to know you, but I mean, right out of the gate, it just seems like you're, you're just a thoughtful person, you know what I mean? And, and you really think deeply about your life and how you can have an impact. Um, and it seems like you have an impact on kids and you really care about the kids that you train. So I'd love to hear about, you know, Basami training. And, and I think a good approach is it's kind of more generalist, but, you know, take us through, um, you know, a kid walking through the door and he says, Hey, Chris, I want to get better at baseball. Um, you know, what is, what are the first steps look like, um, for him first lesson? How do you, how do you break that down? So I always start with helping them understand that I don't want this to be a coach player relationship. I want this to be a, a teacher student, even player player type of relationship. Um, because, you know, I come at it from a place of there's a lot of times where coaches want to hold it over the player's heads that I'm your coach. I'm the authoritative figure. What I say goes. Mm-hmm. And I've been in the player's shoes a lot of times where a coach says something <laughs> and in your mind, you're going, no, that just doesn't make sense. I yeah. don't, or at least tell me why we're doing this. Please uh-huh. explain it. Um, and there's no explanation. And, you know, a player's hands are kind of tied because they don't get to question it. And what I always tell my players is, look, at the end of the day, you're the batter. You're the guy in the box. You're the girl in the box. You're the person who has to perform at the end of the day. So, you really have to understand what you're doing and why you're doing it to have it an impact on you. So I want them to know right away that this is a teacher student relationship. You know, when they're in school and they have a question, they, they raise their hand and go, Hey, I don't understand. So I, I want them to have that freedom and that, that, that trust in me. Um, that's number one. Number two, I always want to know what the easiest thing about hitting is for them and what the hardest thing about hitting is for them. And because a lot of the way that I can get to know a player and get to know how they process things, how they learn things, how they make their mind body connections is through questions and conversation. Um, you know, I truly believe that the person who's standing in front of me is the person who I'm supposed to teach. Um, and, and I'm supposed to figure out how they learn as opposed to, I just have this bubble philosophy and hopefully you get it. And so I truly believe that, if I got 10 kids and only two understand the way that, that I teach and the other eight are screwed, I mean, that's just not okay. <laughs> so I, I truly need to teach every single individual um, who walks in my door. And because of that, they get to understand what makes them click. And then when they walk out of here, the goal is that on a weekly basis, they might have one or two things that, that we've worked on that they can take with them and that they can consistently do because they know it works. And that's the most important thing is to help build that confidence that they know what they're doing. They can do it consistently. And if something goes wrong, they can fix it. Yeah. I mean, 
Like I couldn't agree more with you, honestly. <laughs> like I, uh, I don't do really hitting lessons anymore, but, uh, for a long time, that was my main source of income. You know what I mean? When I was mm -hmm. playing any ball and after college, um, and I love giving hitting lessons. Like I still have my guys where it's, they, you know, they, they call me up and they're like, we need some Josh BP. Um, mm -hmm. and I throw them beeps, but, um, what I used to tell kids, I think is the same thing as you is, uh, I was like, I don't, you know, if I have 10 kids and I need to explain something 10 different ways, that's totally fine. It's on yeah. me to, to communicate this, um, in a way that you can understand. It's not your job to understand everything that I'm trying to communicate. You know what I mean? And it seems like you just hit the nail on the head with that one right there. Um, every kid's different. Every kid swings different, obviously, but, um, you know, after a while you do see some commonalities. And I think, um, you know, you've probably done so many hitting lessons at this point. You have so much experience from, um, you know, playing affiliated ball and, and indie ball, and you've just seen so many people, but what do you see as like a commonality where people, you know, it's the most common flaw in the swing, or it's the most common mental approach, or, you know, you're just like, you know what, I know 90% of the time a 16 to 18 year old talented kid is going to walk in here, um, and have this, this issue. Um, do you see anything that's kind of general like that all the time? From a mental perspective, kids are very much results oriented as opposed to process and task oriented. Yeah. Um, so that's one of the hardest things to, to work with them on is when they step in the box, regardless of the situation, bases loaded, two outs, bottom of the last inning, or top of the first, nobody on, nobody out. Your process, your task is the same. You mm -hmm. get in the box, go through your checklist, take a couple deep breaths, see the pitch, take a good swing. Like that's the task. Mm -hmm. And they always say, well, I want a double. I want a hard hit ball. I want a home run. I want great. But at the end of the day, like the process and the task is going to get you that. And the equation is good swing, good pitch at the right time. That's the equation. Um, the physical part for me is you see these kids who come in and, and I would say two physical things. Number one, dropping hands as they get to their load as they get to their landing position. So as their front foot strides out, those hands are not where they think they are. A lot of times they drift or drop. And now you're taking a totally different swing. That back elbow is getting connected to your rib cage way too soon. And you end up getting this stuck, um, you know, stuck in the mud type feeling with your hands. And then the second thing is that, you know, a lot of kids, they don't truly understand the direction of their swing that they're supposed to take. Um, a lot of times, so many kids bring their hands in towards their body as opposed to out towards the plate. Yeah. And what I'll say to kids a lot of times is, is the ball coming at you or is it coming towards you? And a lot of times they've never even heard that question before. Yeah. <laughs> and they, so many of them think like, well, it's coming at me. Well, no, it's not. It's coming towards you. Mm -hmm. You think it's coming at you. And yes, if a ball was coming right at your rib cage and you brought your hands in perfect swing for that pitch, but every other pitch is coming towards you. And even more so, you know, when you look at the stats in the major leagues about the, the percentage of pitches that are middle away in the majors, well, we have to take that information and bring it to the lower levels as well. Yeah. You know, if a major leaguer is throwing 75% of pitches middle away, like, I'm sorry, but a 13 year old isn't throwing 75% of pitches inside. So yeah. <laughs> we have to take that information and truly understand that, you know, our movements have to be in the right direction, knob towards the knob to the ball, knob to the plate, barrel out to the opposite field. Um, and once those two things start to get connected, then we can really see some really good progress.
Cool. Yeah. I mean, I'd love to keep going with this. Like I, I, I want anyone that listens to this podcast to just take away something tactile, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I think, you know, probably when me and you were growing up, it was down the hill, like through the tunnel, up the hill, squish the bug, Mike to Ike, all these right. different, like very easily transferable. Like it's really easy to remember squish the bug. Um, yeah. Cause it's just generalized. It's like a little league coach can just tell anybody that and just say, squish the bug. And it kind of looks right, but it's, but in the, in the last like five, I wouldn't even say 10 years. I think the last five years, it's just, there's just been this like massive boom of data. Right. Um, mm-hmm. with like, with hit tracks, with rap Soto, with, um, driveline and, you know, all this like kinetic sequencing and Josh Donaldson and like great hitting coaches, um, finally having, you know, platforms like Instagram is how I found you, um, to actually show, you know, how to hit, like I was never exposed to that even in college. Like I got my hitting information from one hitting coach, college hitting coach. I I couldn't crowdsource and say, you know, here's my top 20 favorite hitting coaches, um, and leverage all their experience. But, um, to kind of bring it full circle is we have this influx of data hitting has changed dramatically from a technical standpoint in the last five years, mm-hmm. um, how does that affect, um, the way that you've been coaching, um, hitters? So, you know, as I grew up, I used to think dogmatically like down to the ball, down to the ball, down to the ball. It's just not mm-hmm. that easy. It's not that simple. Like you, you can make an argument right. for all these different things. You can make an argument for when to get, um, you know, your, your elbow connected or where your hand should be at launch, but, um, how do you take all this data and, and make it into for lack of a better term, hitting philosophy? First of all, I, I'm a believer in teaching movement before mechanics. Mm-hmm. Um, so for instance, if we're talking about making sure that that top hand goes down to the ball, making sure that top hand stays strong. Well, for me, it might be thinking about a punch mm-hmm. for you. It's slapping somebody across the face. For somebody else, it's high-fiving the ball. Whatever it is, that's three different ways to think about it. It's all the same move. So it's for me, it's about teaching that mind-body connection first. Let's let's work on movement. You know, I I had a kid in here yesterday that, you know, I said turn your foot and he turned his left shoulder. So if they're not able to make the connection first, like going into this deep data, going into these, you know, this launch angle and back elbow connect and stay through the plane of the ball. Like none of that stuff will matter anyway, because if you're saying right and he's going left, like we got to figure out how to make him go right first. Um, And I truly think that, you know, when it comes to movement, you know, there are very tangible things. Everybody has a knob of the bat. Everybody has a barrel. So if we can make the connection with those tangible things, um, working through the opposite field, working up the middle, um, back knee down towards the plate, you start to naturally see the body working in sequence. And yes, obviously we all have to work from the ground up. Um, I'm a big believer in rotation and anti-rotation teaching those things, you know, the front side of the body's anti-rotating while the backside does rotate. And when you create that brick wall with the front side, you can explode as hard as you want on the backside. Um, but there are steps to get there. And that's why I always start with, with movement. You know, I was the type of player where you could tell me all these technical things 
But also at the same time, if you put a ball on the tee and you put a parking cone towards second base and said, hit the parking cone, I'll figure out how to hit the parking cone. <laughs> yeah. And so that's where I want to see that first. I want to see how do they process things first? How do they, can they figure something out on their own first? And I don't mean like 10 swings. I mean, like let's try two or three sessions worth of, of things first. Um, because if that does work, then we can use those visuals to help them in the game. You know, you're not going to be thinking, get connected in the game. You're going to be thinking, work through right center field, work, you know, hit that parking cone, hit the ball out in front of the plate. Um, things like that. Yeah. I mean, I love that because it, it is more of like, I mean, you, you've used this term to describe, you know, how you train people. It's a more holistic approach and that's just, you know, you, you teach mm -hmm. mental, you teach, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure you, you also consider yourself, uh, you know, a mentor to kids as well. Um, also physical, um, which is breaking down to, you know, a bunch of different components, but I love that. It's like, it's not just so focused on mechanics, 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 uh, cause there, there is an end result. Like you either hit that cone you were talking about, or you didn't, you could have a gorgeous dry yeah. swing, but it's like, if you can't execute and hit that cone, um, how are you going to do that in the game? So it does need to tie together at the end of the day. Right. Um, and you can swing a PVC pipe all day, but until you actually swing a bat and hit a ball, uh, it doesn't really transfer. Um, so, right. Yeah. What's, uh, what's one actionable tip where, you know, if you're talking to a thousand kids right now and you can, mm -hmm. you can just give them one tip to all, all 1000 generalized, what, what, I mean, what would you say to them to get better today? You want a mechanics, you want a mechanic, you want a drill or. Let's do one of each. Okay. So for me, a mechanical cue would be knob to the ball, barrel to opposite field. Mm -hmm. So if you're a lefty, knob to the ball, barrel to left center. If you're a righty, knob to the ball, barrel to right center. Because at the end of the day, you could have great timing. You could have great stability. You could have great balance. You could have great explosion. But if you're going in the wrong direction, the barrel will not find the ball. Mm -hmm. Um. So that would be my, my mechanical cue because it's, it's just one of those things that can always get you back on track. Yeah. Um, it's always a good feeling. It's always a good visual. Um, I would say from a drill standpoint, there's two drills that I just, I love to do. One is just hands, mm -hmm. get into a good solid base, bend those knees, brace that core and work on that direction. Mm -hmm. Um, because you know, it's so funny. I have so many kids. I ask them all the time what's the most important body part in your swing and it's feet back knee hips. And I go, great. Can you hold the bat with your hips, please? <laughs> and they, they look at me and I go, exactly. Oh, it's your hands, right? It's your hands, your hands, your, your, your elbows and your forearms are the most important part of your swing because they hold the bat, the bat hits the ball. So the direction is dictated by that path, that movement, you know, you've never heard an announcer go, Oh, wow. You know what? Josh got his hands out in front, but he kept his body back and he drove that ball into right center field. No, it's the opposite. It's yeah. he was out in front. He was on his front foot, but he kept his hands back and he served it into the outfield. Like that's how important our hands are. So I'm a firm believer that if your hands are doing what they're supposed to a hundred percent of the time, you're going to be a very consistent hitter. And it, and, and the hands can make up for, being out in front, being on your front side, maybe a little bit lack of explosion on the backside. Um, but you always have a chance to hit the ball hard.
Awesome. Cool, man. Um, I did want to talk about uh, another thing, which honestly I, I think is really important, but also it's just fun. Watching you hit a ball 111 miles and off, mm-hmm. 111 off a tee. <laughs> I mean, it's just like fun to watch. I'm like, this is like oddly satisfying. Just, I was like, tee it up again, tee it up again. I want to see people just rake balls off the tee. So um, yeah. I know you, like, I want to give you a little shout out to your program. You have like a bat speed program. Um, I was thinking maybe give us some inside Intel into that program and you know, how do you, <laughs> how to get to 111 miles an hour? I don't think anyone on this, uh, uh, that's listening right now is going to get there. If you do, um, send me the video and like, I'll send you like a shirt or something, but, um, cause I want to talk to you, but, uh, yeah, tell us about your Batsby program and, and give us some of the inside knowledge. I mean, honestly, talk it up a little bit. I'd, I'd love for people to, to get better swing speed. Yeah. So the way it came about was last March, um, my doctor hit me up and she said, look, I'm not really happy with your results right now. I'm not really happy with your numbers. I'm going to get aggressive with your treatment. I want you to get aggressive on your end too, because a lot of the things I deal with on a daily basis have to do with lack of energy, lack of strength, mm-hmm. um, and just really just fighting through the day. Um, so she said, I just want to make sure that those things are sustainable. So get aggressive on your end. I said, okay, what does that sound like? She said, whatever you used to do to get ready for spring training, just try that. Yeah. So I said, okay. And this is just as COVID hit. So all the gym shut down. So everything that I would have done in terms of seeing my progress, deadlift, bench press, squat, obviously gyms closed, couldn't do that. So I'm trying to figure this out. And I came with it. I was like, you know what? I'll just do my exit velocity. So the first day I did it, I was 93. Um, and took a picture of it, put it in my notebook. And for the next 12 weeks, I just went balls to the wall in terms of putting together all these different modalities into my training, things that I should have done when I was playing, didn't know about them. So it was four strength workouts a week, two endurance runs a week, two sprint workouts a week, um, yoga once a week, mobility work, forearm and wrist exercises. And then I hit four days a week, just all my old favorite drills. Yeah. And After you 12 have, weeks, and you have two kids on top. Of and that. I have two kids. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I decided after about 12 weeks, I was like, you know what? Like I'm feeling pretty good. I had a couple, you know, setbacks in there, but for the most part we were going in the right direction. So I decided to retest and I retested. And I had gone from 93 to 104 <laughs> in 12 weeks. And I started videotaping all my swings because not only did I not really believe it, but I also didn't think people would believe it, especially people who know what I go through um, from a health standpoint. So I was like, you know what, let's just keep going. So two more weeks kept testing maybe every other day, every third day. And it just kept going up 105, 106, 107, 108. And finally, you know, I hit 111 like two or three times. Um, And so I sent the videos to some friends of mine who were still in pro ball. And they're like, dude, this is stupid. Like what? Like, do you want to play? I was like, yes, of course I always <laughs> want to play, but like, no, this is not about playing. This is just about understanding now, like what, what could I do with this? And they're like, well, you gotta do something with it. So I thought about it and, you know, prayed on it. And, you know, basically we're just like, God, I'm going to put together a program and help players and, and hitters who have the desire, but don't always have the direction. And, and so, you know, my program, it, it's a very functionally based movement program where, you're taking these movements, you know, med ball throws, kettlebell swings, uh, kettlebell swings, um, you know, three-way lunges, 
presses, push-ups, skater hops, all these things. But the most important thing is that after you do that, later on when you go to hit that day, you're taking these movements and putting them directly into your swing. Mm -hmm. So you're doubling up on this mind-body connection. You're doubling up on the explosion. You're doubling up on the rotation. You're doubling up on the anti-rotation. You know, if you can control a 25-pound kettlebell swinging it, you can for sure control your 30 or 31 ounce bat at the mm -hmm. same time. Um, so I put it together and honestly, man, I've probably had 45 or 50 kids finish it since I put out the program and we've just had a lot of really good success. I mean, I think the, the, the least amount anybody's gone up is eight miles an hour on their exit velocity. And we use exit velocity just as that tangible benchmark. Mm -hmm. You know, it, at the end of the day, it's about getting this work done on a daily basis and it helps from the mental emotional standpoint, because yeah, you're going to wake up on Monday and feel great. But if on Thursday and Friday, you don't feel great, well, guess what? Like you don't get to take the day off. So you got to find a way to be smart. You got to find a way, maybe it's less weight that day, but it's still constantly putting your body through the movement, constantly asking your body to, to work on something that there's no way not to benefit from it. Um, and it's been cool and I've, I've enjoyed it and, and kids have enjoyed it. And like I said, I've had anywhere from 11 years old, all the way up to kids in college who have finished the program. Um, and what's cool is that anybody who does the program gets access to me mm -hmm. while they're on the program. So it's not like a P90X where you buy the program and you never get to talk to Tony Horton about <laughs> why it's going on or anything like that. You get total access to me. We get to talk while you're doing it. You want to send me video while you're on the program. I'll break it down. We'll make sure things are going right. You know, this is at the end of the day, I'm a player and this is for a player and I've really enjoyed it and it's been fun. And, and so now I'm just trying to get more awareness to, to players out there, boys, girls, baseball, softball, um, that something like this is out there where it's not just a, a four week program where, you have you swing a heavy bat a few times and you swing a light bat a few times. And yes, of course, after four weeks, there's going to be a little bit of progress, but after four weeks and three days, because that tangible progress hasn't been made where your body is waking up after eight, 10, 12 weeks going, oh, okay, this is how we're going to do this now. Cool. Um, you're just going to revert back. And so what kids have loved about the program is, um, they didn't know that they wanted to be as held accountable and they love the fact that I'm there holding them accountable, not only through our communication, but, you know, as you've seen on my Instagram page, I still work out myself five, six days a week. I'm still doing the same stuff that I'm asking players to do. And I'm still seeing the benefits myself. Um, I'm going to put this up uh, in, in a day or two, but you know, as I go, as I said before, I really focus on just hands and I believe in just hands. <laughs> And so the other day, you know, it, it had been a goal to hit triple digits just with my hands. And finally, the other day I hit one one So <laughs> it's crazy. Um, <laughs> I mean, um, so, yeah, so that's the thing. I, I'm constantly continuing to do things myself for the benefit of my players and anybody who either works with me or, or wants to do the program. Dude, that's awesome. Um, Dude, I mean, there's just so much we can learn from you. I want, I want everyone to go follow you, on, you know, just on IG, not just on IG, uh, everywhere, uh, at your website, Basami training, um, your, your Instagram, I think it's just Basami, uh, at Chris Basami, 
at Chris Vasami on IG, but, um, yeah, man, I mean, thank you so much for, for coming on. This is definitely not the end. Like I, there's like so much more I know that, uh, that you have to offer and to teach. Um, but I think anyone that listened to this podcast today is going to come away with something really, really actionable. And honestly, just like jazzed up. Like I want to go hit up a T right now and be like, I don't really know what my exit velo is. I know for a fact, it's not one eleven. <laughs> um, but, uh, so I was like, uh, maybe, maybe I'll have to take this program and, and, uh, and have like a, a funny, um, video series of being just trying to hit a uh, hundred miles an hour up a T with your program. Yeah, man. But, um, dude, thank you so much for being on. It was, it was great to meet you. This is the first time we got to, to do a face to face, but, um, we'll have to do another one and, and just dive in. Cause, uh, man, I just, I think what you're doing is amazing and, um, and inspiring and, and just all the great things. Just, you know, thank you so much for coming on. No, I appreciate it, man. Like, you know, anytime I, I love this stuff, you know, I've really come to a place of, you know, I truly believe that at the end of the day, it's all about human connection and finding people that, that are like-minded. And, um, I really do come at this from a place of collaboration and, and service. And, and I love to help anybody. Um, like I said, who has the desire, um, being able to, to help give them just a little bit of a nudge and a little bit of direction. And, um, it's, it's something that I truly enjoy. Awesome. Thank you so much. Um, is there anything else that you want to add, uh, you know, just to call to action to people, where can people find you? Where can people stay up to date with, with what you're doing? Yeah, you can stay up to date with me pretty weekly on, on IG at Chris Vasami. Um, you can also go to my website, vasamitraining.com and read a little bit more about my story and the things that we can do. Um, and you know, anybody who's out there, please feel free. You can reach me. Um, you know, my number's on my website. You can email me, um, any questions, you know, comments, concerns. That's, that's what we're here for. Awesome. Chris, thanks so much. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to spotlight by play Crane. And a world series game seven winning curly W is in the books. We hope you enjoyed today's episode until next time. Take care.